If you could also rise for the reading of God's Word, rise from wherever you're at and open your Bible. If you need a Bible, we have them in the back. You can just go to the back. And there's a box of Bibles. And if you don't have a Bible, you can keep that Bible. It's Spanish and English there in the back. And we're in Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4. I finish out the chapter today, God willing. Verse 35. says this, On the same day when evening had come, he, Jesus, said to them, Let us cross over to the other side. Now when they had left the multitude, they took him along in the boat as he was. And other little boats were also with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves beat into the boat, so that it was already filling. Some of your translations say, and and it was filled. The boat was filled with water. Verse 38, but he was in the stern, meaning the front of the boat, asleep on a pillow. And they awoke him and said to him, teacher, do you not care that we're perishing? Verse 39, then he arose and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, peace, be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. But he said to them, why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? And they feared exceedingly and said to one another, Who can this be that even the wind and the sea obey him? Let's pray. Father, I pray in Jesus' name. That by your spirit, Lord... You would bring us to the place this morning, Lord, where Lord, we have a, a we're, 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 we're thinking about you, we're worshiping about you, we're seeing you, we're hearing from you in a way. that is worthy of the all-loving, all-powerful God that you are. It says here that the, the, who is, who can this be that even the wind and the sea obey him? And Lord, some of us just sort of strolled in here today to this service. Ho-hum, I'm going to church, I'm going to hang out, and I'm going to leave. Without that without that understanding, without that keen awareness, without the 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 the, the knowledge that the wind and the sea obey you. Taking you for granted. Forgive us, Lord. Forgive us for walking into this room. Lord, in, in a way that is not worthy of who you are. You're the God of the universe. 
and you have an all-consuming fire love for, for us, and yet we take you for granted. Lord, I, I pray that you would just, by your grace, by a ministration of your mercy, that we would shed that uh, apathy, Lord, and worship you. And as it says, the disciples, that we would be like them, fearing you exceedingly, Lord, even as we love you. As we're in your presence and you're speaking to us and you're opening up your, our eyes and you're awaking us to the reality of who you are. I pray in Jesus' name that you do that work in us. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. So verse 35, Mark chapter 4 says, On the same day when evening had come, so it was dark, it was dark. It says, On the same day when evening had come, he, Jesus, said to them, Let us cross over to the other side. Then verse 36 says, Now when they had left the multitude, they took him along in the boat as he was, and other little boats were also with him. So remember where we are in our study of the book of Mark. And here in chapter 4, At the very beginning of the chapter in verse 1, we are told that there was a great multitude following Jesus on the shores of the Sea of Galilee. So great, he had to get into a boat to talk with them, to speak to them. After darkness sets in, now we see, he says to his disciples, okay, let's, let's go over to the other side. Meaning, let's go in the boat in the dark to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. Now, a few months ago, we were in Mark chapter 1. And in Mark chapter 1, Jesus, before anyone really even knew him, he's walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee. And in verse 19 of Mark chapter 1, it says that Jesus saw James and John uh, they were fishermen. They were in their boat fixing their nets, and he called them. He called them to himself. And verse 20 of chapter 1 says that they left their father in the boat with the hired servants, and they went to Jesus. Let me repeat that. They they. they left their father in the boat with the hired servants, and they went to Jesus. They got up out of the boat. And we talked a lot about that a few months ago when we were in that verse. They got up out of the boat. Not a whole lot of time has gone by between chapter uh, 1 and chapter 4. Maybe a few months, possibly it's a year and what does Jesus do? He asks them to get back in the boat with them. He asks them to get in the boat and to go to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. So this morning... I'd just like to start off with this question to you. Have you gotten out of your boat and followed Jesus? Have you done that? Have you done that in your life? 
Jesus walked along the shore of Galilee. They were doing their thing in their boat, James and John. He asked them to come out of the boat. Have you done that? Have you come out of the boat and done that? It says, it says James and John, in, in chapter 1, verse 20, left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired servants, and they went after him. And now, that, now we're in chapter 4, verse 35. Jesus asked them to get back in and go to the other side. Verse 36 says they did. They got into the boat. Could be that some of them were already in the boat, but, but they, got it. they all got in and they left to go to the other side, even though it was night. And even though they knew they could run into danger from foul weather, I'm told that these storms that we read about already this morning are not infrequent in the northern part of the Sea of Galilee. These were seasoned fishermen. They knew about these kind of risks, but Jesus asked them to do it and they did. So listen here, Calvary Chapel. This is what Jesus does. He calls you out of the boat. He calls you to leave your life, which is all about you, a life which you have carried on without regard to God. Maybe you think about him from time to time. You pray to him prior to meals or whatever. But your life is supremely about one thing. You, me, myself, I. And he calls you to lead that life into a life that's all about him. Have you done that? But as we saw this morning, once you, you, you leave the boat and you follow him, once you get out of the boat, uh, this is what he does. He asks you to get back in the boat, only this time there is one huge difference. And what is that? Someone shout it out. He's in the boat. A big, big difference. You're, you're, in Mark chapter 1, he, uh, they're by themselves in the boat. Jesus is not in that boat. He says, come on out to where I am. But then he, he asks you to get back in the boat because he's got a plan for your life, a purpose for your life, and a big difference. He's in the boat at that point. So here's the crazy thing. This is what's nuts to me that I see so often. I see a man or woman Make a commitment to Jesus, which appears to be the real thing. It really looks like they've gotten out of the boat. Lord Jesus, thank you for calling me out of the boat. I'm done with my life being all about me and not all about you. I want my life to be about you now. I'm getting out of this boat. And it looks like it's a genuine thing. They get out of the boat. They follow Jesus. And, and, and just as happened with, with the disciples in, in, in Mark chapter 1 who got out of the boat, in the next three chapters, what did they see? They saw Jesus real. They, the, the God of the universe becomes real to them. They see him at work. He becomes real to them in their life. And then Jesus asked them into the boat. Back into the boat, again, I see this all the time. Not talking now about the disciples. I'm talking about just in ministry over the years. I see, I see people get out of the boat. They, 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 they experience the Lord in the first few months of their life, maybe the first couple of years, and then he asks them, okay, now get back in the boat with me. I've got a thing I want you to do. I have a plan. I have a track that I want to put you on for, for, for greater fruitfulness in your life, and they don't do it. They stay out of the boat. Can't tell you how many times I've seen It's the craziest thing even after seeing the faithfulness of God, is that you? <laughs> I can't do it. It's dark. It's nighttime. It's not the right time. I see this over and over. Men and women who, who appear to have made a genuine commitment in their lives, they get to like a crossroads where Jesus is saying, okay, I want you to go that way with me. And they're like, whoa, 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 it's nighttime. And, and, and out on the sea, there are these intense storms. 
I can't do that. The Lord has a plan to use them to join him in a venture of faith, some new ministry, some change of life, some change of pace, some change of whatever. Jesus wants to take you to a, a greater place of fruitfulness where you'll be used in a new and different way. No, <laughs> I'm comfortable. I'm comfortable with the first three chapters, uh, three and a half chapters of the book of Mark. So I, I, I think I'll just stay here, Jesus. Can't tell you how often I've seen this. I need a little bit more time. And weeks turn into months. Months turn into years. And in some cases, years turn into decades. Is that you? Is it you? This is just heavy. Often this is so heavy on my heart to try to get through to the family of God here at Calvary Chapel. You only have one life or you're going to get to the end of it and look back and say, why in the world did I not get into the boat with Jesus when he was calling? I've chosen plan B. Or plan C or D or E. Notice the amazing examples. You want to you, you see a great example of getting into the boat? Look no further than Jesus himself. Look what it says there in, in verse 36. Let's read verse 36 together of chapter 4. It says, Now when they had left the multitude, they took him, Jesus, along the boat as he was. As he was. He doesn't say, hey, whoa, I need to go home and get another change of clothes. I, I, I need to go get my traveling bag. This is a great thing about the book of Mark, by the way. You'll see these little things like this. And if you're, if you're reading too fast, as so often, too often I do, you miss it. This is only in the book of Mark. This story is told in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. But in this book, in Mark alone, it says, as he was, got into the boat. Jesus is our example. <laughs> he just gets right in, uh, into the boat, as he was. As he was. And, and as we'll see next week, God willing, there absolutely was a ministry, and an unbelievably intense one, on the other side of the Sea of Galilee. And that's for next week. Read ahead, though, and, and, and get ready for it. It's intense. But, but uh, on the procrastination meter, where was Jesus? Zero. <laughs> Got into the boat as he was. Immediate obedience to the will of of God. So another little detail, also only in the book of Mark, at the end of verse 36, it says, as they went away, it says, and other little boats were also with him. So he takes off in this boat. Apparently it's a little larger, but there's these other little boats following him, only in the book of Mark. And, and you know, there, there are different views about these boats, and you can't get overly dogmatic about what's up with these little boats. And, and, and there's, there, there's um, man, there's people all over the, the place. I, 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 uh, I read one commentator who said, man, these other little boats, they're just so rude and insensitive. Jesus needs a break. You know, you're going to be sleeping. He needs a break, and, and they won't leave him alone. Well, I, I really believe it's the exact opposite of what the Lord is trying to tell us here. What I believe is, is I see it as a great source of encouragement for you and me. These guys want to be where Jesus is. He takes off. Whoa, he's taken off. I'm going with him. Don't you want to be Calvary Chapel where Jesus is? Don't you want to be there? It's the only life worth living. 
It's, it's where, where Jesus is. And I see these guys, these little boats, it's a great encouragement. Uh, uh, you know, it's, it's like, well, uh, it, they're not like, oh, oh, Jesus is taken off in the boat. Well, you know, it's, it, it's nighttime, and who knows what's going to be happening out, out there in the, in the sea uh, of Galilee. It's pitch dark. I, uh, I guess I'll just go on home. Forget that. These guys, they just grabbed these, these little boats and, and then they went after Jesus. I, I like John chapter 12, verse 26. Um, this is Jesus. And uh, do we have that, Dennis? In John uh, 12, 26, it, this is Jesus speaking. Where I am, there my servant will be also. It's a very simple, powerful verse. Where I am, there my servant will be also. It's why, we, it, 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 it's why we do, where's that daily bread? It's why we do this thing, this devotion thing. We get into the word and, and ask, Lord, what, where do you want to take me today? Because we don't want to miss him. We want to join him in whatever he's doing. And so these little boats, they take, after, take, take off after Jesus. <laughs> Let's continue in verse 37. I love those little boats. Verse 37 says, And, and a great windstorm arose, and the waves beat into the boat so that it was already filling. Verse 38 says, But he was in the stern, meaning in the front of the boat, asleep on a pillow. And they awoke him and said to him, Teacher, do, do you not care that we're perishing? Do you not care that we're about to die? So, Calvary Chapel, in case you haven't discovered this already, I'm here to tell you this morning, that when you get into the boat with Jesus, when you respond to the call of God on your life, and you follow the Lord, you will not be immune from big-time trials, <laughs> conflict, affliction. So often, a person who has given their life to Jesus will find uh, themselves in a great trial. And, and we, we saw this, right, in, in the parable of the soils, the second soil. It's like, whoa, whoa, a trial. What's up with this? Uh, and, 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 and they'll respond, they'll give their life to Jesus, they'll find themselves in a great trial, and there'll be great confusion. Wait, if God is real, like he says he is, why is he allowing this in my life? Well, John chapter 4, verses 36 through 41 is here to answer that question, and there are at least two answers that I believe are given in these verses. And I think helpful, helpful to answer uh, helpful to answer that question. Uh, why does God get us into the place where, where we cry out, God, Lord, do you not care that I'm, I'm, I'm about to die? I'm dying. In this trial, I'm dying. There's, uh, I believe, two answers. In, in, but I think um, if, if, if we put alongside of us, there's an aid, another place in Scripture that I think helps us a lot. In John chapter 17, uh, Jesus God the Son is praying to God the Father, and this is right before his crucifixion, and, and he's, he's, he prays something that, um, that I believe helps us out with, why is it? Why does God bring us to this place? He prays something that, there's a big part of me wishes that 
He didn't pray, but he did. And, and so this is what it, it, it says in John chapter 17. He's, this is right before his crucifixion. He's praying to God the Son here, praying to God the Father. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. So let's just read that again. Because I, I believe that in, this, in this, 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 this part of this prayer, I think it answers the question of why God brings us to this place. Where we're like, God, do you not know? Are you asleep? Why? why? I'm perishing. Where are you? This helps answer the question. Jesus prays, my prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. So answer number one of why God brings his disciples to the place where they're crying out, hey, don't you know that we're perishing? I, I, I believe it's, it's, it's very clear. It's that it's because he, he never promised to take us out of the world. My prayer is that you... Uh, is that you um, my prayer is not that you take them out of, this, uh, out of the world. In other words, what, he, he's chosen to keep you in the world. He, he's chosen to keep you in the world and go through the very same problems and storms that the world has. So whether it's a great storm at sea, a, a, a miscarriage, a death of a brother, a child, a, a, a sister, a, a, a close friend, a chronic illness. Just a debilitating chronic illness. God, do you not know that I'm suffering? What's up with this, God? Or, or, or a, a, a barrenness of the womb, a, a, a woman who, who, who can't uh, have children, singleness, divorce, financial crisis, loneliness, betrayal, False accusation. Hey, that's the world. And Jesus did not promise to take you out of it. In fact, he told God, I don't want you to take them out of the world. I, I, I don't want to take you out of, the, uh, out of the world. Listen, Calvary Chapel. The world that you're living in has been devastated by sin and the rebellion of man. But hear me out. When the Lord, rather, when the world sees you going through the very same things that it is going through, except with you there's a peace and a joy, you will make God look great. You will glorify the Lord. You will draw people to God. Maybe even draw them into an everlasting relationship with God. And so that's why Jesus, he specifically tells God the Father in John chapter 17, I don't want you to take them out of the world. I don't want you to spare you, you, uh, them from the very same things that the world is going through because the world will so identify with you, Calvary Chapel, when you're going through the same thing that they're going through, yet with a peace and a joy that will glorify the Lord. And Jesus was all about glorifying God, his Father. Don't take them out of the world. By living in the world with me, with them, in the boat, they will glorify you. That, I believe, is answer number one. Before we go on, actually, before we go, no, no, I'll put, put up the first Peter verse in a little bit. So, so, so um, the second answer of why there is sometimes great trouble, a gigantic windstorm in your life where your boat is overflowing, sinking, to the point where you cry out, God, do you not care that I'm dying here? This man just left me after I have served him in marriage for 20 years. This, this, this woman has just uh, been unfaithful to me. W what is going on? 
Look at the second part of the prayer. It, there, there's a hint, there's a, there's a clue in John 17 of, of, of the second answer. He says, my prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. That you protect them from the evil one. Now notice, it doesn't say that, that you will not be directly attacked attacked by the evil one you will be it's it's just praying that you'll be protected from the evil one listen <laughs> listen to me please when you get in the boat with Jesus he first calls you out of the boat to be with him and then he calls you back into the boat to be with him in the boat. When you get in the boat with Jesus to go over to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, some new venture of faith, faith that he wants you to be with him in, the devil doesn't like it. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12 says this, Our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Listen, please, I beg you. <laughs> you need to understand the reality of this spiritual struggle. When you're in the boat with Jesus, heading across the Sea of Galilee, and oh, are they going to meet one intense ministry on the other side. The devil's going to try to do everything he can to prevent you from getting there. It's just a fact. Now, listen, I, I don't want any of us to be blaming every little mishap of life on the devil. Oh, I, I, I lost my keys. The devil must be attacking me. No, he's not attacking me. It's just that every time I go into the house, I put the keys in a different place. I need to put them in the same place so I don't forget them. We cannot be blaming the devil for, for everything. But listen, as surely as my name is Steve Cole, if you are on a venture of faith with Jesus in the boat with him, you're going to be subject to very real spiritual warfare against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, against the spiritual forces of evil and the heavenly realms. Satan hates the glory of God. And he hates you bringing um, uh, the glory, uh, uh, he hates you bringing glory uh, to God. And as, 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 as surely as sparks fly upward, as it says in the book of Job, he will come against you bringing glory to your Savior. I've been amazed over the years at the stories, including my own, of church plants, folks going out to plant churches, folks going to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. The crazy storms that just come out of nowhere that are clearly from the devil. Clearly. I think of um, the different church plants that we have supported over the years. Pastor Brian in Peru. We, uh, uh, we pray for him on a regular basis at our, our prayer uh, Monday through Friday. Uh, he started a Calvary Chapel in, in Peru. Um, I served with him in, in, in Miami Beach before he, he went down there. And uh, I remember when he was initially going, he was like, oh, yeah, we, uh, we have a, a plan set. God has put this plan in place for us. We're, there's a folks we're going to live with for the first couple months that we're there. They got to Lima, Peru, and the place, the family that they were supposed to, to, to stay with, uh, sorry, sorry, it's, it's not going to work. After they got there, they had no place to go. He's in this place in Lima. You know, he's going down there to do the work of God. God, what's up with this? Don't you see I'm perishing? I think of Pastor Alex in Fortaleza, Brazil. And we went down, many of us in this room, went down there many times. When he went down there, is God wanting me to start a church down here? And he met this this, uh, th this young man down there in, uh, in Fortaleza, and um, uh, uh, he, he went down there to plant a church, but 
his sort of vehicle of ministry of starting it all up was to work in the, the slums, the favelas with the, with, the, with, with the kids up there. And there was a guy down there who he started working with him, had connections. And so he said, okay, I'm going to go down there. I'm going to start working with this guy and get the thing started and get people interested in the church. He goes down there only to find out soon after he got there that this guy's in like major sin, like major, major sin. I can't, I can't really even talk about it here with the kids, this guy. And, 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 he, and again, Alex is like, whoa, God, I'm, what's up with this? You called me here. I, I'm perishing. I, I think of Pastor Serge um, in, in Haiti. He had, uh, he had he, he's Haitian, uh, came to the, to the States for like something like 20 years, worked here, actually worked here in Boston. And um, he had purchased property after he was married uh, in Port-au-Prince, and he was going to go back to Port-au-Prince and was going to use the property. So he goes back, um, he's sent out by, by the church, um, and we get behind him, we support him, and uh, he gets there and finds out someone else had taken over this property. They, they you know, the law of adverse possession, whatever, they, someone just is, is, is on it, using it. And um, I say affectionately in Haiti, you just don't go down there and call the police and say, hey, these people are on my property. Can you get them off? Oh, no, no, it ain't going to happen. And I, I, I think of uh, the first two years of, of ministry here. I mean, there were some serious, crazy windstorms, some crazy things where, God, God, don't you, I, I'm per we're perishing. What is going on? Two times people showed up within the first two years saying they had heard from God that they were supposed to take over the church from me. What? <laughs> That's said one guy would be showing up on my door. Um, he looked like the Grim Reaper. He had this like hoodie that went halfway down his head. It's like, you know, and, 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 and he had a word from the Lord for me. And, and, and he was supposed to take over Calvary Chapel in the city. I, and, and within the first two years also, the, 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 I had, um, I had a, 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 my heart went just basically flipped out. I, I'm not talking about romance. I, I'm incredibly in love with my wife. I'm talking about physically my heart because I had neck pain, was on some uh, uh, medication for that. And, and because of the medication, my heart went into an arrhythmia. It, it sort of flipped out of me. Had to get out of the pulpit, had to go on short-term disability at my job, and, and I'm out flat on my back in huge pain at home because I had to get off the medication. God, I'm perishing. Don't you see? Now let's go back to 1 Peter, Dennis. 1 Peter says this. He sa it, it says in 1 Peter, it says, Dear friends, in the King, New King James, it says, Beloved those who are beloved, loved by God, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come on you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. Don't be surprised. So there you have it. God, don't you know that we're perishing? We had, uh, Stephanie and I had a very, very, very difficult first two years after this church started. Really, I, had, I, I, I didn't even get to the worst one. This is a very, just a very private thing that we had going on in our family that was just a huge ordeal. And, 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 but you, you know what we found out during these first two years? Jesus was with us in the boat. That's what we found out. Jesus was with us in the boat. Let's read verse uh, 39. This is what we, we learned, verse 39. Then Jesus arose and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. And But he said to them, why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? And they feared exceedingly. 
and said to one another, who can this be that even the wind and the sea obey him? Isn't that a wonderful verse, by the way? I just love that verse. Who can this be that even the wind and the sea obey him? I want to focus on on verse 41 and then backtrack into verse 40. It says says there in, um, it says that the disciples say, who can this be? Calvary Chapel, so important, and, and we've, already, we've already discussed it a little, that, that on a regular basis, in a quiet time before the Lord, that you remember before the Lord what he saved you from and what he saved you into. Who can this be that he's done all this for me? For me? You know, I, I, a week doesn't go by that I, I'm just out on a prayer walk and I, I, I just, I'm thinking to myself, I can't imagine how I could be more blessed than I am right now. With, 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 with all my children in church following the Lord, serving the Lord. My wife and what she has meant to me and, and, and how she is faithful to me every day. The people in this church who he has surrounded us with, it is constantly bewildering me. How the Lord is constantly bringing people around us at Calvary Chapel in the city to minister with us here in the city of Boston. But listen, it it says, who can this be? Just so important that you also remember what you've been saved from. When I think of my life, the gutter, living in the gutter, the sewer, that was me. And, and even since walking with the Lord, even since being in ministry, the huge mistakes, the blind spots that I had for years in ministry, the, 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 the gaffes that I've had, and yet he has his grace and he's used me Anyway, I, I love the, uh, the, the book of, of Deuteronomy because um, the, the children of Israel have been brought out of slavery. They're about to go into the land of Egypt. And it's really interesting because Moses, he, he's, they're right about to go into the promised land. And Moses is telling them, listen, do what he's actually what he's doing. He's, he's saying to, to Israel, listen, you need to constantly keep in your hearts and your mind this attitude of worship where you're crying out to God, who can this God be that he has blessed me the way that he has? And one thing he sa- Moses does with them in order to get them to, to, to remember, he reminds them of their sin. Now listen, I don't think you should go back and spend all too long remembering where you were in your sin. But it's a valuable thing to do from time to time. Just to remember how low you were. Moses says to to the children of Israel, uh, just on the other side of the Jordan before going, and he says in verse 7 of chapter 9, Remember, do not forget how you provoked the Lord your God to wrath. In the wilderness, from the day that you departed from the land of Egypt until you came to this place, you have been a rebellious, you have been rebellious against the Lord. Also in Horeb, you provoked the Lord to wrath so that the Lord was angry enough with you to have destroyed you. But he didn't. So important, Calvary Chapel. Regularly. 
weekly, if not daily, to, 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 to just get before the Lord and who can this be? Who can this God be that he has saved me into this, this life and that he saved me out of that life that I was in? So let's close with um, um, backtracking back to... to, to uh, Actually, to the beginning, rather, to the, uh, to, actually, go back to verse 40, where, where Jesus said to them, so he calms them, he calms the storms, and he says, why are you so fearful? How is it that you have, have no faith? So I'm just going to close the service with getting, doing some really serious business with you. Here is a sobering, cold reality of the Bible. Here is a sobering, cold reality of the Bible. It's this. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. You can't wiggle out of this, Calvary Chapel. You can't wiggle out of this. Without faith. It's impossible to please God. Jesus, after calming the storm, says, Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? I'm going to close with this question and really want to close here with this. And I want you to just get real between yourself and the Lord. Here's the question. Do you find that you go from storm to storm to storm to storm and your response is always the same? Fear, God, what's going on? Do you not care about me? God, God, what are you doing? Don't you see that I'm perishing? Just fear sets in. Do you find yourself going from storm to storm to storm and it's always like that? It's always your response. If that's the case, something's wrong. Something's wrong in your life with God. And I'm not trying to throw anyone into condemnation here. I'm just remembering this critical verse of the Christian life, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, without faith, it's impossible to please God. I'm not, I speak these things in my own heart. But if, from, if you go from storm to storm to storm, your faith is not growing, something's wrong. Could it be that the reason, the reason for that is that after every storm, Every storm in, in, in which God faithfully brings you through, instead of entering into a greater life of faith and continuing to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, you go back to the place of safety. You go back to your cave. You go back to your predictable, totally safe, danger-free, risk-free, comfortable cave. Is that what you're doing? Maybe it's time that instead of going back to your predictable, totally safe, danger-free, risk-free, comfortable cave, you continue to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, that, great, that greater place of faith, which involves a greater, deeper trust in the Lord. Here's the reality. Listen, even if you decide not to get into the boat with Jesus, there, there will be come, storms coming your way anyway, even in your safe, predictable cave. God will see to it. He'll bring the storm right into your cave. You need to start trusting the Lord, Calvary Chapel. You need to get out of the cave, into the boat, and venture out to the place that God is leading you with Jesus in the boat with you. Listen, Jesus and the Almighty God is in the boat with you. You're going to be okay. I'm going to ask the worship team up um, at this time. I'm just going to close the... Close the service with um, just with, with with worshiping the Lord. And I, what I'd like to do.
during this time, you know, I, do, I don't just want this to be come to church, have a Bible study. I want you to come to church and have an encounter with a living God. And that involves prayer. I'd just like to have a few minutes of instrumental. Can I have a few minutes of instrumental, Dan? Dan, Ethan? And most of you here are with someone. There's a few of you who are not. But I want you, as just during the instrumental time, what I want you to do is I want, I want this message to be turned into prayer for your life. Has Jesus been asking you to take a different direction in your life, to join him in the boat, but you're not doing that? If so, tell the person next to you, would you pray for me about this? Or you could be in a, uh, going through a storm right now, and, and, and in your heart you're like, God, I'm perishing. Share it with the person next to you. And, and if someone shares this with you, with you, pray. Pray for them. Or maybe you've never gotten into the boat. I, rather, maybe you're back in Mark chapter 1. You've never gotten out of the boat. <laughs> you've never gotten out of the boat and joined up with Jesus. Tell that to the person next to you just during this instrumental if you're in a place where you're sitting by yourself, again, Jesus is asking you for a change of direction in your life and you're resisting. Go right to the Lord with it if you're sitting right there by yourself. Or, or, or you're in the midst of a storm. Go to the Lord with it. Lord, I, I don't want to be this kind of person who storm after storm after storm after storm. It's fear, 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 and it never gets better. I do not want to be like that. Take it to the Lord. Or if you've never done the Mark chapter 1, gotten in the boat in the first place, just pray to the Lord. Can we start, Dan? I'm just going to have a time of worship. Let's just go for it. Just share with that person right next to you just what's on your heart or anything that stirred in your heart during the message today that you would want prayer for.